Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm your host, Jordan Jones. Since the last episode, the podcast has been approved by Apple Podcasts, so the show is now officially available wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe as new episodes will be released weekly, all summer long, and then increasing in frequency once we get to college football, kicking off and into the month of August. We are officially into June, meaning we are one month away from college football talk really firing up with presumable virtual conference media days and the start of fall camps moving us closer to kickoff. On Friday, Purdue Athletic Director Mike Babinski announced Purdue's plan to bring athletes back to campus over multiple weeks, starting next Monday with Purdue football players. While this does not signal the start of real practices, it is a good sign that we're getting back to normal and a step in the right direction towards opening the college football season on Labor Day weekend. Last week on the show, we took a look back at the biggest stories in Purdue football since the end of the 2019 season. This week, we'll be doing the same with a focus on Purdue basketball. It goes without saying that the biggest story of this offseason for Purdue basketball has been the transfers of Matt Harms and Nojal Eastern. Uh, we had a whole podcast about this topic two weeks ago. If you haven't listened, make sure to check that out. Um, long story short, I still believe that Matt Harms is a really significant loss for Purdue in the upcoming season, uh, whereas I think Nojal Eastern is a huge loss on defense. I really do believe that he was the best perimeter defender in the Big Ten over the last two seasons. However, uh, his offensive limitations really do make the loss of Eastern a little bit more manageable for Purdue and gives Purdue an opportunity to develop the offense a little bit more by having more offensively capable players out on the perimeter. Uh, Purdue does lose three players from this past year's roster, though, to graduation, those being Evan Boudreau, Jihad Proctor, and Tommy Luce. Uh, it's a really disappointing ending for these guys that they didn't get to finish the season. Uh, I feel bad knowing that you know these guys ended their college basketball career at a practice the day before, excuse me, the day of the Ohio State game to open up the Big Ten tournament. Um, tough to tough way to go out. Uh, Purdue obviously doesn't lose a ton in Tommy Luce besides a fan favorite that really kept the last two minutes of blowout wins exciting in Mackey Arena with the chance for Luce and going crazy every time he got the ball. Uh, in Boudreaux, Purdue loses a player who really finished strong at Purdue, uh, really capped off by his double-double at Iowa with 14 points and 14 rebounds in his second-to-last game as a Boilermaker. Uh, he rebounded the ball pretty well for Purdue this year. He was able to give them minutes at the five, which was fairly solid uh, for a six-foot seven, six-foot-eight guy. Um, he was able to play the five well. He started his career at Purdue really strong in the 2018-19 season. Uh, in January of 2019, he was injured in a game up at Michigan State. And he never really came back from that injury. Um, Travion Williams more or less beat him out at that point to get the backup minutes behind Matt Harms, which continued into the NCAA tournament, into the Elite Eight run. Um, he was able to get some get some buckets for Purdue. Uh, had a little bit of a three point game, a little bit versatile. You know his fadeaways down in the paint. Um, he, he was a good player for Purdue all in all. Uh, really had a lull there in the second half of his first season and the first half of his second season. He was not as strong 
as he was to finish. But he's a guy who finished really strong. He finishes his college career with degrees from Dartmouth and Purdue. Uh, Obviously sets himself up well for success in life after basketball. Uh, I do think him playing the five over Emmanuel Duana spoke volumes about how Purdue felt about Duana. Um, That'll be something to watch this year with the departure of Matt Harms. We'll see how much, you know, Boudreaux is missed as a guy who can come in and play the five for, you know, brief periods of time. Purdue also loses graduate transfer guard Jihad Proctor. I don't feel that this one is too significant of a loss. Uh, His experience was good for Purdue, a guy who started his career at Iona before transferring to High Point University and then finishing up as a graduate transfer for one season at Purdue. Um, He really struggled with the increased competition level from moving from High Point to Purdue and playing in the Big Ten. Uh, We saw him really succeed against some lesser competition at Purdue, uh, highlighted by 26 points in his Purdue debut against Wisconsin Green Bay. Uh, He did have a huge three late in the game at Northwestern, leading up to Sasha Stefanovic's game-winning three. Uh, Proctor goes out, um, not a real memorable Purdue player, but a guy who was able to give Purdue some solid minutes this year. Um, I do think... Losing Proctor does not impact Purdue's 2020-2021 season at all. Um, And then Tommy Luce, obviously, you know, just not a big loss for Purdue. Purdue does welcome three new uh, scholarship players into the program. Uh, Those are Ethan Morton, Jaden Ivey, and Zach Eady. Uh, Ethan Morton was a really prized recruit for Purdue. He's a 6'5 guard from the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, this is a senior. He earned Gatorade Player of the Year honors in the state of Pennsylvania. Very early commitment for Purdue. I believe he committed in May of 2019. Um, fairly early for the 2020 recruiting cycle. Uh, 22 total offers for Morton. Uh, Painter has described him as the best passer he's ever recruited. That figures to be really important for Morton as he comes into a motion offense that's really predicated upon moving the ball on the perimeter, guys running off screens, and finding them with good, sharp, accurate passes so that they can get those three balls up in the air. Uh, He was a 2019 gold medalist for Team USA in the U18 three-on-three tournament. Obviously a guy who has earned some pretty solid accolades as a, a high school player. That's a very big honor to play on Team USA and then to win the gold medal. Speaks really highly of what Ethan Morton brings to Purdue. Uh, This is a guy who uh, I think Purdue Purdue coaches are really excited to have in West Lafayette. Um, Be interesting to follow him in his freshman year. Another player is Jaden Ivey. He's a 6'3 shooting guard. Uh, Began his high school career at Mishawaka Marion High School and then spent his senior year at Lalamere Prep up in LaPorte. Uh, had he stayed at Mishawaka Marion, I think he would have been a prime candidate for Indiana's Mr. Basketball Award, an award that went to Indiana commit Trey Galloway from Culver Military Academy this year. Uh, would have made it a very interesting race between Ivy and Galloway had he stayed at Mishawaka Marion. But he did well at Lalamere, got good minutes, and obviously played against really tough competition that he wouldn't have seen 
by staying at Marion and playing in the Northern Indiana Conference again this year. Um, just, you know, playing in those big national tournaments is a little bit tougher than playing at New Prairie on a Friday night. Um, he was another early commitment. I believe he may have been April of 2019. Uh, he had Butler, Notre Dame as other major players in his recruitment, plenty of other offers as well. Uh, it is worth noting his mother, uh, Niel Ivy, uh, has been recently named the new head coach of the Notre Dame women's program, taking over for uh, the legendary Muffet McGraw up in South Bend. Uh, she previously served as an assistant at Notre Dame before spending last year as an assistant for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, really good basketball genes for Ivy there, uh, you know, growing up around Ivy, who also played at Notre Dame and was a very strong player in her day. Uh, Ivy is a guy who's going to be able to get the ball in the basket early on. Uh, he's a multi-level scorer. He can get it done from outside, and he's really good at getting to the basket. Obviously, that's an area where Purdue needs to improve this year. That was probably the biggest and most notable drop-off from Purdue's Elite Eight run in 2019 to their 16-15 and 15 finish to the 2019-2020 season where you know, Purdue just really did not get a lot going with their guards on offense. Uh, Eric Hunter was the best guard at getting, moving the ball, creating his own shot, um, and really opening up that offense in a way that Purdue needed it to. You know, when Purdue's been really successful, you've seen guys like Etwan Moore, Robbie Hummel, Vince Edwards, Carson Edwards, those guys have been really good at creating their own shot and doing stuff off the dribble, whether it be a pull-up, whether it be getting all the way to the bucket. Um, they've been really good players at creating their own shot and not needing a ton of help on offense. That's what Ivy uh, projects to bring to Purdue, uh, that driving ability as well as his uh, ability to shoot the threes will make him a threat um, on offense to do stuff in the one-on-one -on -one situation. The last recruit Purdue brought in is Zach Eady. Uh, he's an interesting, interesting recruit for Purdue. Uh, he's originally from Canada and then played high school basketball at IMG Academy. He's very new to basketball. Uh, he has not played a lot of basketball. He grew up in Canada playing baseball and hockey. Uh, his other Power 5 offers were Baylor and Minnesota, Going to be interesting to see what he brings in year one. He was not Purdue's top target uh, in the 2020 recruiting class by any means. Uh, Edie didn't really emerge as a candidate for Purdue to really land until Hunter Dickinson trimmed Purdue from his list. Um, Ryan Kalkbrenner committed to Creighton over Purdue. And then Ben Carlson, a forward from the state of Minnesota, committed to Wisconsin. So, you know, those guys choosing to go elsewhere is what gave Edie the opportunity to earn a Purdue offer. Uh, he took Purdue up on that very quick after getting the offer. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what he can do because, you know, the Big Ten is grown man basketball. There is no doubt about that, especially down low. Uh, I'm not doubting Edie's toughness. Obviously, someone playing hockey is very welcoming to physical contact, but it'll be interesting to see if his skill can really ma match up and line up with what 
is needed in the Big Ten to be a contributor as a freshman. Um, With these newcomers, I think it's very obvious that Ivy and Morton have great opportunity to get good minutes right away. Purdue has six scholarship guards for this year. Joining Ivy and Morton are returners Isaiah Thompson, Sasha Stefanovich, and Eric Hunter Jr., as well as Brandon Newman coming off a red shirt. I do expect all six of these guys to get relatively solid minutes for Purdue. I think all of them bring something to the table that forces Matt Painter to give them good minutes. Obviously, you look at guys like Stefanovic and Thompson and Newman. It's their shooting ability. Eric Hunter presumes to be Purdue's best on-ball defender as a guard this year, uh, especially with the loss of Nojel Eastern, who's recently uh, tweeted by the NCAA basketball account that Xavier Simpson thought that Eric Hunter was the toughest player to score on. Obviously, very high praise for Eric Hunter uh, entering his junior year. Really needs to be that lockdown defender for Purdue this year. Someone who can match up with the opposing team's best guard and limit their output. Uh, It's really tough to shut down some really good guards in the Big Ten. But he's going to have to do a good job of limiting the damage that other guards do against Purdue. And obviously, he took a big step forward on offense this year as well. Uh, averaging over 10 points a game and really developing into a multi-level scorer that Purdue wants him to be. Uh, Ivy and Morton both possess those traits that I brought up that are going to get them in the lineup. For Morton, it's his passing ability, his facilitating ability, really his ability to create open shots for the guys around him. And then with Ivy, it's to be a scorer. Um, You know, he's going to come in with an opportunity to get a lot of shots up, to make plays going to the basket. Um, He's really a guy who I expect to be someone competing for a starting job from day one. Uh, Brandon Newman will be interesting coming off a redshirt year. Uh, Really good player at Valparaiso High School. Um, Good shooter, good defender. We'll see what he's able to do in terms of getting to the basket, but I think... There's a lot of reason to be really excited about Purdue's guards coming into this year, and Ivy and Morton are big reasons why you should be excited to watch Purdue's guards play this year. Now, for Zach Eady, it's simple. He has one man to beat out to get playing time this year. That is Emmanuel Duwana. He will be a redshirt sophomore in the fall. Uh, We've seen very little from Duwana to indicate that He is ready to take over the minutes that Purdue loses with Matt Harms transferring. Duana played only in garbage minutes this past year when Purdue was blowing out opponents. Uh, We saw him play against Green Bay, Chicago State, Jacksonville State, among a few others. Uh, What really stood out to me in the Jacksonville State game was he was in the game for a very short amount of time and picked up three really, really quick fouls uh, that looked pretty bad, just to be honest. Um, Just really indicated that, you know, maybe he's not ready to play big minutes against Big Ten opponents. We will see what Zach Eady can do there. I think they're similar in the sense that Duana did not have a lot of basketball experience when he came to Purdue as well. Uh, Those two will have a strong competition to get minutes because 
as we brought up in the podcast about the transfers. Uh, Travion Williams obviously can't play 40 minutes, and I think even 30 minutes will be a stretch for reasonable expectations for how long Williams can stay on the floor this year. The rest of those minutes are going to have to be taken up by either Duana or Zach Eady. Which one will it be? That's the million-dollar question for Purdue. We will see as we get closer to the season uh, what reasonable expectations are for both of those players. Back in February, Purdue notched their first 2021 commit. Uh, They got a four-star forward in Caleb First from Blackhawk Christian Academy in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, He's a 6'9 player. Really highly recruited player. Um, he's a guy who is going to stretch the floor for Purdue, likely playing a stretch four position. He's got outside game. He's got inside game. Uh, I live in Fort Wayne. I have heard a lot of people raving about his ability. Uh, the best player to come out of Fort Wayne, probably since Keon Brooks. Also looking at you know Caleb Swanigan as another guy to compare him to in terms of the size of recruit he is. Um, He's a really big get for Purdue. Purdue's had a lot of success recruiting Fort Wayne lately, looking at Swanigan, looking at Rafael Davis, and now looking at Caleb First. Um, Kind of a pipeline coming from Fort Wayne to West Lafayette now. He's a really good get for Purdue. They have one scholarship remaining for the 2021 class. This is going to be an interesting one to follow. Obviously, there are a lot of good players Purdue is still in the mix for, looking at five-star Harrison Ingram and looking at four-stars Trey Kaufman and Blake Wesley is the main likely candidates for that last scholarship spot at Purdue. Uh, There will be very limited summer recruiting, however. Uh, Nike's EYBL summer uh, circuit has been canceled. Uh, the main event there being the Peach Jam tournament down in South Carolina. Um, all of that has been canceled. So you will see these recruits now where, you know, if they want to have a decision made by the time they start their season, you'd think the clock's really ticking on that. Uh, no campus visits through the end of July, I believe. So, you know, It'll be interesting to see if these recruits start committing now or if they try to stretch their uh, recruitment into the academic year, see if they can get on some visits. Uh, Typically, home football weekends are huge for basketball recruiting and basketball visits. So we'll see what uh, these recruits decide to do. Obviously, Matt Painter is playing a waiting game now uh, to see, you know, if one of these recruits commits to Purdue or if they decide to go elsewhere in the way that Matt Painter had to, you know, kind of go elsewhere at the last minute in the 2020 recruiting class to land Zach Eady. Um, a major point from Purdue's offseason that I think is really under-talked about is the fact that Purdue's assistant coaches have been very, very strong and are not leaving. Uh, Purdue will maintain its top three it's three assistant coaches, uh, Steve Lutz, Micah Shrewsbury, and Brandon Brantley into the 2020-2021 season. Uh, last offseason, obviously, Greg Gary, who was a longtime assistant under Matt Painter, took the Mercer head coaching job where he had a really strong first year. Uh, really good stuff. We obviously hope to see Greg Gary do really well. He was a really good representation of the Purdue program and is in a video that went 
you know, fairly public on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it was in Louisville when Purdue was there for the Sweet 16 that Gary got the Mercer job. You saw the players' reaction celebrating his uh, acceptance of that offer, uh, a guy who the players really liked. So, you know, now Purdue's in the second year of these three guys on staff. Steve Lutz has been known as the defensive wizard under Matt Painter, the guy who really works on Purdue's defense, uh, getting matchups set. Micah Shrewsbury, who was previously an assistant under Matt Painter before taking an assistant job at Butler and then going to the Boston Celtics to be an assistant for Brad Stevens there. Uh, his comeback, he is the offense guy, more or less the offensive coordinator, to use a football term in basketball context. Um, you know, a really good guy to kind of promote Purdue's ability to put players in the NBA. Uh, that's a something that recruits seem to value quite a bit. And uh, Micah Shrewsbury is a guy who obviously is coached in the NBA. He's coached guards like Kyrie Irving like Jalen Brown, um, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how much of an impact that has. Obviously, the offense in his first year at Purdue was not ideal. I think that says a lot more about the players in the system than it did Micah Shrewsbury's ability to coach the offense. Uh, Purdue had a lot of open shots. It just didn't make this year. So I think the ability to make those shots, some more competition at the guard spot will make this offense a lot better in year two of Shrewsbury. And then you have Brandon Brantley uh, back again to coach the big man. Uh, Brantley was obviously a big man at Purdue in the 1994 Elite Eight run, played alongside Glenn Robinson. Um, you know, a really good guy developing the big man at Purdue. That's been Purdue's bread and butter since the start of Gene Cady's time at Purdue back in 1980. They've had a lot of really good big men over the time, and Brantley has continued to really work with those big men and develop them. You've seen Caleb Swanigan, you've seen A.J. Hammonds, Isaac Haas, Matt Harms. You know, all these guys have come in under Matt Painter's time where Brandon Brantley's been an assistant. Uh, anyone who's been to Mackey early on on a game day, uh, you've seen him really working as big men, practicing with them, uh, you know, getting them reps beneath the basket. He's a guy who cares a lot about his players, cares a lot about developing the big men. And I think keeping these three assistants is massive for Purdue. Uh, the continuity is always good. There's a lot of assistant coach turnover in college basketball. It's really good for Purdue to keep these three guys, all of whom are really strong coaches and make that Purdue coaching staff really strong, considering how good of a coach Matt Painter is and has shown that he is over his first 14 years at Purdue. We have seen some schedule releases for Purdue basketball during the quarantine downtime period. Uh, the first two games of the season have been announced. Purdue will open up on Tuesday, November 10th against Evansville and then follow that up on Friday, November 13th against Indiana State. Both these games in West Lafayette at Mackey Arena. Uh, to start off the season, they will take on the Purple Aces. Uh, Evansville had an interesting season in 2019-2020 to say the bare minimum. Uh, they had a really high-profile win over Kentucky back in November that set college basketball on fire. 
and then they proceeded to win zero games in Missouri Valley play. They were bounced in the first round of the Missouri Valley tournament, ending the year 0-18 against Missouri Valley opponents. Uh, Walter McCarty, the head coach, was fired midseason due to alleged Title IX violations after an investigation by U of E officials. Um, a sad way to end the season after you know a really notable win and what was probably the biggest win in Purple Aces basketball history. Uh, Indiana State, a team that Purdue's got quite a bit of experience playing over the years. Um, this game will be the start of a really cool weekend in West Lafayette. It's the Friday night before Purdue hosts Wisconsin and football on Saturday. Uh, the Sycamores are a strong team. They were 18-12 and 12 last year, had a strong season in Missouri Valley play. I believe they were uh, 11 and seven in Missouri Valley. Um, they were bounced in the first round of the Missouri Valley tournament, a tournament that had a lot of upsets, as you saw uh, Northern Iowa lose in the first round, who was a team considered to be on the bubble, even if they didn't win the tournament. Uh, you saw low seeds and Bradley and Valparaiso make it to the final game of that tournament. Uh, Bradley got the automatic qualifier to the tournament that didn't happen, but Indiana State's going to be a strong opponent for Purdue, a program that's been pretty solid over the years in the Missouri Valley, um, and two you know, good opponents for Purdue to play. It's always good to see in-state opponents coming into Mackey Arena. Uh, always interesting, good for the fan base, and good for the engagement of the state of Indiana. Uh, we have found out that on December 13th, I believe that is a Sunday, uh, Purdue will play West Virginia in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, Matt Painter and Bob Huggins have always had a really good relationship. For years, Purdue and West Virginia would play each other in the closed-off preseason scrimmage. Uh, they've got really close ties, especially from their involvement with the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, both Painter and Huggins are strong, leading members of that organization. West Virginia is going to be a good team next year. Uh, we saw a little bit of a dip for a couple years in West Virginia. They had a strong season last year. They get their two best players back in junior forward Derek Culver and sophomore center, uh, former five-star recruit Oscar Shibwe. Uh, by many people, uh, looking at Gary Parrish, John Rothstein, in their preseason top 25s, uh, West Virginia's in there, uh, really projected to have a strong year. They went 21-10 and 10 last year, 9-9 nine and nine in Big 12 play. Uh, I think this is a really good game for Purdue. Obviously, we've seen Matt Painter approach scheduling with a pretty bold, ambitious tone. Uh, Purdue has not backed away from anyone. They've played some pretty tough games over the past few years, and that's really part of Matt Painter's strategy to get his team ready to compete in the NCAA tournament and make runs in the NCAA tournament. Around the holidays, uh, on December 21st, Purdue plays host to Incarnate Word out of the state of Texas. Uh, Carson Cunningham, the head coach of Incarnate Word, he's a Purdue graduate, uh, holds three degrees from Purdue, a bachelor's, master's, and PhD. Uh, he was a member of Purdue's 2000 Elite Eight team. Interesting career path for Cunningham, uh, was the head coach at Andre in high school up in Merrillville, Indiana for years, then took the head coaching job at Carroll College, an NAIA school out in Montana, who Purdue hosted in an exhibition game. 
a few years ago. Uh, and then last season was his first year at Incarnate Word. They struggled a fair amount, went 9-22. and 22. They were 6-14 and 14 in the Southland Conference. So, you know, this obviously doesn't figure to be one of Purdue's toughest non-conference games, but a good nod to Carson Cunningham uh, for Purdue to play him and welcome his team into Mackey Arena. We also see uh, former Purdue uh, sharpshooter Ryan Smith, who played under Matt Painter, uh, 2012 graduate, is an assistant for Cunningham at Incarnate Word. Um, so a cool Purdue connection from that program. Obviously, it'll be cool to have those two former Boilermakers back in Mackey Arena uh, around the holidays. Uh, Purdue also is still supposed to play in the Cancun Challenge, um, a four-team tournament down at the Hard Rock Resort in Cancun that will take place the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, the field is to be Purdue, Mississippi State, Clemson, and Illinois State. Obviously, we don't know what's going to go on with this tournament. Uh, travel restrictions have been heightened strongly due to the pandemic. Uh, I don't know what to expect from this, but you know, for right now, we'll assume this is still going to take place as normal. Uh, this is a winnable tournament for Purdue. Both Mississippi State and Clemson have been decent at best programs in the SEC and ACC, respectively. Um, so, you know, power five opponents for Purdue, but programs that I think as we are in the second half of Matt Painter's second decade at Purdue, these are programs you expect Purdue to be better than year in and year out. Um, Purdue expects to win this tournament. Illinois State, a pretty middle-of-the-pack team in the Missouri Valley, uh, that one shouldn't be too big of a deal for Purdue. Purdue should uh, win that tournament. I think that has to be the expectation for Purdue and Purdue fans going into that event. Uh, we still have not heard anything regarding the Big Ten ACC Challenge or the Gavit Games, both events that Purdue should be playing in. Uh, obviously, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, an annual event, uh, last year, Purdue hosted Virginia in that. Uh, Purdue obviously rolled through that game fairly easily, a big win at Mackey Arena. With Purdue playing at home last year, one would figure Purdue will be on the road this year. And then in the opposite of the Gavit games uh, against the Big East, Purdue played at Marquette last year where they had a second-half collapse and fell fairly, fairly handily to Marcus Howard and the Golden Eagles. Uh, you expect that game to be at home this year for Purdue to play in Mackey Arena against a solid Big East opponent. Although I don't think that either of these matchups will be big marquee matchups for Purdue. I usually see these events trying to highlight some of the bigger teams in the conference and the teams that are supposed to finish the highest. Last year in the Gavit games, the marquee game was Seton Hall and Michigan State at Seton Hall, obviously to showcase Miles Powell. Uh, and Seton Hall and a really strong team against Michigan State, the uh, you know obviously most consistently strong program in the Big Ten right now. The Big Ten ACC was highlighted by Duke, Michigan State as well. So, you know I don't expect Purdue to get marquee matchups in these games, but obviously these are going to be good opponents, Power Six conference opponents that Purdue uh, obviously wants to play. Matt Painter really values playing strong opponents in the non-conference. Uh, Purdue will finish up the Crossroads Classic in December. 
This is the last year of the contract for that event down in Indianapolis. This is Purdue's year to play Notre Dame. Uh, Purdue's on a two-game losing streak in that event. Purdue is 2-7 and seven overall in the Crossroads Classic since its inception in 2011. Uh, not a lot to say about that event other than I think Purdue fans are breathing a sigh of relief that it's over after this year. Uh, no one from the Purdue side really enjoys going to Indianapolis where Purdue has really struggled to be surrounded by people wearing Notre Dame sweatshirts and candy stripe pants all day. Uh, even when Notre Dame and IU are playing, you still see plenty of people supporting both schools and rooting against Purdue above all else. Purdue will have 20 Big Ten games next year. Uh, two of them will be before Christmas time. Uh, that's the way the Big Ten has approached scheduling now for the fourth year, I believe. Uh, you know, whether it's good or bad, that's the way things are moving. It's fewer non-conference games, more conference games, uh, definitely tougher, but also, you know, this falls in line with the stronger opponents that Purdue wants to play. And, you know, those early non-conference, excuse me, those early conference games are a good opportunity for Purdue to get off to a good start. And if they can start 2-0 in Big Ten play, by the time they go into the Christmas holiday, you know, it's a really good start for Purdue uh, and a really good way to compete for that 25th Big Ten championship that is obviously the goal of Matt Painter and his staff. That's all we really have for today's episode. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened. I hope you all enjoyed it. As I mentioned in the open, we are now available everywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new content. Uh, the podcast is also on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. Send me a tweet. Let me know what you thought of the show today. You can also email the show at boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what your comments are. Uh, fire in some questions to answer on future episodes. Uh, obviously, we want to have as much audience engagement as possible. So, you know, if you have anything you want to hear talked about on the uh, next coming episodes of Boilers and Beyond, let me know, and we'll make sure we touch on them a little bit. We'll be back here next week. Until then, please stay safe.